Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Be A Warrior Podcast. I am your host and an above-knee amputee, Angie. It's that time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Then let's get started. Hey everyone, we are back. I apologize that last week I was out. Uh, Family matters that had to be dealt with and that's just how life rolls and you kind of roll with the punches. This week, I wasn't sure if I'd get on because I have like a really nasty chest cold and I've been coughing all night long. You know how that comes up in the evening and then you can't get the rest you need. So feeling a little wear and tear, that's why baseball cap today, very casual today and We're getting the big California storms coming through Arizona now, and the rain is just starting, so it's dropping in temperature, and it's um, rainy. It's supposed to be rainy the rest of the week, which really stinks, because around here, if you know anything about Arizona at this time of year, this is our waste management um, golf tournament, and that's this week, and so we're supposed to be going, and uh, it's supposed to be raining every single day, so it'll be wet and cold and This probably is not going to sound better by next week, this chest cold of mine, but I am here and I have given some thought to this week. You know, I've been really kind of laying low. You know, sometimes you just need to pull yourself away from the hub, um, the hurriness of the, the life that we have with social media and our phones and things like that. And, you know, I've actually, after a very intense fall, like literally September to December. We then got a puppy right at the beginning of January, which has forced me to be home and be present, which is my words for this year, be present, and really haven't gone out and done anything else for the last like five weeks since she's been here. I have limited myself to gym workouts. I have not gone to see my horse. I miss her so desperately. And I just have to keep telling myself, it's okay, this is a season, it's not the rest of my life. And so I just want to take care of my pup who has this weird cough too, Um, not related with the coughs, our coughs, but she every once in a while gets one and it's frightening when you don't know what the puppy is going through and antibiotics weren't helping and now she's on steroids. So I've been a little bit more preoccupied and worried about her. And like I said, then last week we had a family matter we had to deal with. So it has been, once again, crazy. And um, sometimes you just got to pull back from some of the things that start dividing your attention so you can give your full attention to what's important. And right now, family and home is the most important. But I am here. I am been thinking a lot about... Most of you have been listening to my podcast, and this is season four. So some of you didn't hear any of the beginning and how this all happened, that I'm an above-knee amputee. It was not a disease, and it was not an accident. For me, it was an elected surgery in December of 2018. So I just celebrated five years um, amputation, um, and I do celebrate it. It has given me my life back and proven to me what kind of character I really have to persevere through some of the hardest trials someone can can think can go through. You know, when you think about, you know, I don't even think about it twice now, but when people think about, my gosh, you you actually said you wanted your leg cut off because life would be better without it. Yeah, 
I did. And now I don't think twice about it, like I said. But when I sit, sit back and think of those days before that surgery and the fears that I had and what came up in my mind and in my heart, it was a struggle. The four months from the time I booked the surgery to the time of the surgery date, um, that was way too long. Um, that's probably the most time I've ever had between booking a surgery and a surgery. And I had 10 surgeries within five years. And I've never waited four months from the time I booked a surgery. And here, the hardest one to go through, taking your leg off and hoping it's for the best, um, gave me a lot of time to think. And, and therein lies my faith, because that is exactly the plan that God had for me, was that I needed to stew on it, come to terms with it, reconcile with it, and be okay with it beforehand. And I will tell you, it was a roller coaster ride. Um, by no means was it easy until about the end of November, beginning of December, like probably a couple weeks before the surgery, that I figured it out and I came to terms with it. But what I want to talk about is that four months that led up to it. And I bring this up because I don't think anybody in human history once insurance and medical necessities started to happen in our world, I don't think anybody goes through insurance unscathed or hurt or denied. And I will tell you that my journey, now looking back on it, how short it, that journey was, was no picnic whatsoever. And I thought, you know what, I have... I've talked to several people about the insurance side of having an amputation and going through it. So I know a lot of people don't elect to have it, although I'm noticing more and more are coming out. But when I did mine in 2018, my surgeon was an oncology orthopedic surgeon. So he did a lot of cancer patients and it was not elected, but it was best case scenario. We get rid of that body part so you don't worry about the cancer coming back. But he was telling me that I'm one of the few, he only probably has a couple a year out of the hundreds he does a year that are actually elected. And now that I'm talking to more and more people, I'm noticing more and more people are actually electing to do that because I think technology's gotten better. It's become a lot more mainstream or maybe just for me it does because, you know, it's kind of like I always tell my kids, it's like when you buy that car that you've always wanted, you get the color you've always wanted because you never see it anywhere. And then as soon as you get it, you see it on the road everywhere. It's like once you are a part of that world, you obviously start seeing more of that world. And yeah, most of it is social media contacts. Like I start following people, people are following me that are amputees. And all of a sudden your world, amputee world, goes from I don't know anybody to I know hundreds of people. And so the same thing here. I didn't know any amputees at the time. I remember, and I, I want to go through this because everyone has to go through something like this. And if I could help empower you to fight for what you want and what you need in life, <clears throat> then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my story so you understand that what tries to break us can either break us or make us stronger. And in my case, I felt very broken in the moment, but I kept fighting and I definitely 
found what I was made of and the grit that I actually was born with. So when I finally decided after five years of surgeries, after a karate accident with my knee and realizing that my surgeries weren't the cause of failure in my mobility, um, I had hyper scarring happening and the scarring, when I say hyper scarring, we're talking like serious hyper scarring about a week into PT and my knee would become one solid mass of scar and then I could go from having like 115 degree range of motion right after surgery down to like 80 within a week. And so, and it would just keep getting worse. Uh, by the end, right before my surgery to amputate, I had a full 20 degree range of motion with my knee, which was I couldn't even straighten my leg and then there was no bend. So I could probably straighten, it was in a negative, like I couldn't even straighten my leg totally. So you can imagine that my leg was then shorter on the left side and then, you know, back issues and neck issues and all that happens with it. But I, um, <coughs> excuse me, I, um, when I finally made the decision and what ended up being my deciding factor was when I took a break from PT and just got away with my family, we went overseas, um, we went to France enjoyed a week there and I thought I pulled a muscle in my calf because my calf was huge like there was really bad blood flow and I would have edema in my leg um, especially if you're overseas you've flown that much and then I was on crutches all over Paris and getting really good at the crutches except the stairs going up and down to the rails railways and stuff the metro um, that was always a challenge but I did it so I thought I just pulled a muscle and didn't think anything of it because um, I've had a blood clot before. I've had an occluded one, which means there was no room for passage of blood and it hurt really bad if I stood up and my blood tried to pump through my leg. This one was a non-occluded um, blood clot. It wasn't a pulled muscle, even though I knew all the warning signs. My leg was swollen, my leg was red, my leg was hot, and I had pain. But... You have to understand that all those, except the pain, I've had all that time before, like the years before. And so the pain, I just thought, well, maybe I pulled a muscle. Well, flew home. And when my pain management doctor saw me, he told me to go straight to the ER, which you have to understand is after I flew home, I had pretty much traveled all around Europe on crutches for about four or five days with this pain in my calf. And then I flew all the way home to Phoenix from Paris and then spent four days going to a Christian concert here at Grand Canyon University. And then that following week, that's when my doctor said, you need to go to the ER. You probably have a blood clot. And I was like, no, you know, I've like, I flew home. I've been doing all these things. Went and of course, yes, I did. And that was the moment I knew I couldn't take anymore. And if you really are listening to your body, you're going to know that that is, there is a defining point in any decision you have to make. Very rarely will you be wishy-washy when it comes to a decision. And if that's the case, then you may not be listening to what's happening around you or within you to help you make the decision very clear. But that was the moment. And I can vividly remember my husband and I had 
um, an evening, my our kids were out on a mission trip, and my husband and I went to a French restaurant in Scottsdale. Well, he was there. I told him I was running late. I literally looked like this. I was going to get dressed up, but I spent the whole afternoon at ER. Didn't tell him because he was working, and actually got to the French restaurant. He had two glasses of wines re- wine there ready for us, and thank goodness it was a dark restaurant because I just started to sob, and he was like, oh my God, what happened? Told him that I was in the ER, told him that I had a blood clot, and I told him that I can't do this anymore. And that I knew that that was the last straw, the last sign that God was sending me to say, now you're ready. And I just wanted to live my life. And, you know, my husband, of course, playing devil's advocate, well, maybe we just don't travel by plane anymore. I'm like, but that's not the point. I have no range of motion, so I can't go walking with you, can't take the dogs for a walk, can't bike, can't ski can't walk, can't run, can't hike, now can't fly. And even even if you travel by car, if you have blood clot issues, you're going to have to still get out and move around, which is still hard because I don't have range of motion. So it was, it was the end of five years of fighting so hard to get my life back the way God meant me to have it, or God made me. So when he realized that I knew that that was the moment, he also knew it was the moment. We made it through dinner, barely. I was like a sobbing, sobbing drunk, although I wasn't drinking, drinking. I barely made it through that glass of wine because I couldn't drink. And that's when I started the research for the doctor to do it. Now, in my mind, I already knew who I wanted to do it, but I wanted to be very, very diligent and make sure that I knew without a doubt in my gut that that was the right surgeon. So I I went to a couple other surgeons. I'm going to tell you that my experience with the two others, so the one that I went with was someone I went with my PT a couple years prior because he was really good at salvage surgeries. And I asked, and my PT asked, can you save this knee? Can you do anything? And he's like, there's nothing I can do. And so I knew he, one, wasn't egotistical saying, oh, I can fix you. Two, I knew he wasn't money hungry or cut hungry. And so that, to me, even though it was disappointing, he couldn't help me then. He also was the person I knew that could help me when he saw where I was at. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get on his schedule to go talk to him. Did that. Picked two more. I won't tell you where because I don't want to step over boundaries. And I won't tell you about the insurance that I have, but one doctor, (coughs) excuse me, one doctor had, um, an intern come in all dressed up to the nines to look at me first before he came in reputable place. And that young man was like, okay, um, do you mind if I measure you? I'm like, you know, the range of motion. I'm like, yeah, go right ahead. There's, there's not much. And he measured me, he goes, my God, you have 20 degree range of motion. And that's the first time I'd heard that final number before my amputation. And he goes, you really don't have any range of motion. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm stuck. This has not gotten better. I've had five years of surgeries. And he's like, wow. So I'm like, okay, we're on the right path. They get the severity of this and my swollen leg and my knee was literally, I'm not kidding, bigger than probably my head swollen. And you couldn't even see my kneecap or find it. And then the edema, let me, don't even tell me, talk about that. That was horrible. My ankles were huge or ankle. The doctor came in 
He looked at me. He did one of these once up, once down, looking at me. The guy told him the range of motion. And he goes, yeah, I'm not going to amputate. And I said, okay. He goes, you're better off the way you are. If we amputate, you'll never walk again. Now you have to understand I'm already totally stressed out that I had a blood clot and that was kind of like the last straw. And I went through the fact that I was like, okay, I'm, this is the path I'm taking. I'm going to interview the right doctor for the job. And this guy looks at my legs, swollen, red, hot, no range of motion. I'm hunch, hunched over and imagine me about 55 pounds heavier because I haven't been able to exercise or do anything for myself. And he's like, nope. And I just looked at him and I don't know what the look was on my face, but you have to understand I have three big brothers, so I'm a fighter. <laughs> and he said, but I guess you'll probably prove me wrong. You know, I spent all my life trying to prove my brothers that I was good enough to play with them with any sport. So I know how to prove a guy wrong. And I was like, yeah, probably. He literally turned around and walked out. I think the intern had no idea what to say to me. So he just kind of followed suit and left. I kept my crap together. Hard to do, I have to say, because I was certain this was the way to go. But I was so afraid of the words he spoke that what if, right? What if I never walk again? What if, even though you cut my leg off, the scarring that I, I obviously get scars so badly and painfully that I can't put a socket on and I can't push into it. I mean, I had a lot of what ifs. Now, I will preface all this with, with I do remember that I went to the guy I wanted to see first and he said, yep. This is the right time. This is the thing I can do. I can help you. And you're going to be great because I know what you can do and what you've been through. And he also hooked me up with my guys at the Limb Center here in Phoenix. And right there in his office, he called and he's like, David, David's the assistant prosthetist there. And he is also an above knee amputee. He's like, David, I have someone here I need you to meet. I want you to get her on your schedule. She needs to talk to you pre-amputation. And I was so astounded by that proactiveness right there in with me, not I'm, I'll call the prosthetist and get your name to them and they'll get in touch with you. Like right there, I heard from them and, and it was great. And, and I did go meet David and Randy at the Limb Center, talk things through, <coughs> got to kind of hash out some of my fears, but to also see one of my first amputees ever that I could talk to and watch him walk without a knee or an ankle. He had his prosthetic on, but he was an above knee. And I'm like, if he can do it, he goes, I play basketball. I do this. I do that. We hike, we camp. And I was like, okay, okay, here's my motivation. Then I go see this guy. I literally walked out of the office, out to the parking lot, into my car and sobbed. And the first thing I did was I called David and I he answered. It was after work hours. It was really late in the day. And he's like, what's up? And I said, I just had a guy say, I'll never walk again if he amputates. And he was like, don't let him think that. Don't let him talk to you that way. That's not true. You see what I can do. You, you're going to be great. So I needed that pep talk. And right then and there, I went back to the other doctor and I said, this, I need to, I need to see him. I just need to see and make sure that we are on the same page and went back there. He reassured me. He showed me exactly where they'd have to cut to get rid of my, the stem that was in my femur from my knee replacement. Well, I still had another appointment to go to 
and I was just, I mean, now we're just going through the motions because I already know the guy I want. I know the prosthetist I'm going to use. I'm really in a great place as best as you can be at this point, right? <clears throat> I went and see this other guy. <clears throat> now, keep in mind that I had been through five years of surgeries, 10 surgeries in five years. Um, I have tried Eastern medicine, Western medicine. I was doing like herbal things. I was doing acupuncture. I was doing dry needling. I was doing um, muscle manipulations. I was doing everything you could possibly imagine. I'd been through several um, manipulations of my leg where they pretty much knock you out and just snap, crackle, pop your joints so it breaks all the scarring while you're under. I will tell you that is the most painful next morning or that next day that day because when you wake up from that surgery they send you straight to PT so they can move it and you're trying to not be in so much pain I've done it all like I've done so many different activities and procedures to help I go to this third person and they're like you know what give me a shot I can fix you and I you know can you imagine what I'm thinking I'm like are you kidding me I've already done everything that's humanly possible. I've had doctors tell me I've never seen anybody do all the things you've tried to fix yourself. And this guy wanted to try and like an idiot. I'm always like, well, maybe one more shot, right? One more shot. So I let him have one shot. We tried something. I can't even remember what he had me do, but he's like, do this and I'll see you in a week. I come back. There's absolutely no change. I'm actually worse. And he goes, okay, here, let's try this. And that's when I looked at him, I said, I'm sorry. I'm not trying anything else. I'm done. I'm done trying. I've done everything. I'm done. I know what I want to do. He goes, okay, let's get you on the schedule for amputation. Now you have to understand, I have no idea who this guy is. I have n no contact except he just thought he could fix me out of the blue. And I'm like, how many amputations have you done? He goes, a couple. And I'm like, okay, bud, you need to slow your roll because I'm not going with you. If you're just now all of a sudden going, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix you. Okay, I'll cut it off. That's, that to me is a definition of someone who just wants the numbers so that they can say they've done it and don't really have my vision, my heart at stake there in their mind. So I said, nope, sorry guy, I'm, I'm heading out. And so I went back with this other guy. Now let's move on to, I went to see my general practitioner because before you have a big surgery like that, they have to do EKGs and blood work and all that stuff. And I had the best general practitioner ever. And unfortunately, before this all happened, or right after my amputation, he retired. But he saw me through so many injuries in karate that he was like, could you just start yoga? And I'm like, that's just not me. And he gave me the best advice I ever got prior to amputation. And that was, I really see you're wrapped your head around this and you're going to just, you're a fighter. You're going to, you're going to do great with it, but do one thing, check, recheck and triple check that your insurance is covering stuff. Because once you've made that decision and you cut your leg off, that's what you have. You don't get it back. You're not going to be able to change your circumstances. You're going to always need a prosthetist. You're always going to need your prosthetic. You're going to need good medical insurance. Best advice ever. And you may not have great medical insurance, but what you do, and this is where it started, I went and talked to my guys at the Limb Center, and I said, I need to know the code because these guys were like, well, we really don't work with your insurance, but we will work with you because we really respect this doctor. 
<clears throat> and so we're going to make this work. We'll figure it out as we go. But here's the code that will normally 100% of the time get people caught up and getting denied. I said, okay, give it to me. This was in September. I had four months to prep my mind, my heart, my body, and my finances to make this work. And truly, as much as it took a little bit more of the mental game than I wanted, physically I was working on my good knee to make sure it was good and strong for this with my PT. And I was working on eating better, cleaning up my diet, and then I had to work on the mind game of it. So I actually saw a Christian counselor who walked me through what my thinking was. And he gave me an opportunity and a space to speak how I felt God was using all my past situations to prep me for this moment and what it meant for me if I leaned into my faith. And it was the best thing I ever did for myself. The second best thing, but most importantly, because of the finances of it, I called my insurance company and you know, you get just whoever picks up the phone, right? All the telepeople are the ones that answer the basic questions. And I said, I'm planning to have an amputation in December. Here is the code for my C leg, which is the Autobox C leg, which is the electronic leg. So that with my level of activity and what I've done in the past and what I hope to do in the future, this is the leg they say I should have because it's the best for pushing me through the activities I want to do. This is the code. Is my insurance covering it? First person said, yep, yep. I see this code here. You are covered. You are good to go. It'll be totally covered for you. Once you meet your deductible, you're covered. Great. And I'm like, you know, I love that answer. I could just leave it at that and just not say anything else. But the next month, October, I called knowing I was going to get another person, totally different, random person, asked the same exact question. And guess what? Got the same answer. I did it in November and I called and got a totally different person. And I asked the same question and I got the same answer. It is covered. December comes. I'm a couple weeks away from my surgery. I call again. Four calls with the exact same question but I knew I was talking to several different people, which means everyone had to look it up and everyone should be on the same page. But if there was one hiccup, then I knew I had to fight for something right then and there. But before my amputation, I wanted to make sure I was covered. And guess what? Fourth person, yep, it's covered. All right, let's do it. I was set. I knew in my heart, I was covered with the medical aspect of it. My heart was ready for this. My body needed it. Let's do it. Had the surgery December 18th in January, February healing. But in February, you start going through the process of all the paperwork. We now need to um, submit this stuff, the claims, into the insurance company, get the doctor notes, get our prosthetic notes. This is what she needs. This is her activity level. This is her capabilities. She needs the best of the best. Here you go denied denied I can tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing when I got the call I was literally in front of a UPS store my son was getting a some document notarized for a trip and I remember being stunned 
angry. I mean, angry. Like, I don't normally take it out on the person I'm talking to on the phone because I know they have no clue what's going on. They just read from a script. But I, and I told her that, I said, I know you didn't make this decision, but I will tell you, I have called four times before my surgery and I made this decision to do this surgery based on the fact that insurance was covering me. And she said to me, I actually have it here, all the recordings of the times you called and you asked the same question. I have it all right here. Can I get those? No, you'd have to subpoena. You'd have to get a lawyer to subpoena to get those. Even though they're my voice recordings, you actually cannot get them for evidence unless a lawyer subpoenas them for it. So I was at the mercy of them not erasing them and being honest. That was the start of what became the longest four weeks of my life. I thought four months prior to surgery and knowing my leg was going to be gone forever was hard. But when you think you may never walk again, I mean, your head goes into that space of this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. I'll never get a leg. I will be on crutches the rest of my life. And my right leg is not going to be able to do that for the rest of my life. And I thought, what kind of life will this be? I just screwed myself up big and I fought. And you know what that fight looked like? It meant calling every single day, sometimes twice a day. It meant sitting there staring at my phone, waiting for some call. You know, the watch pot never boils. That was me. Nobody called. Nobody called. Next day, nobody called. Still nobody called. Fridays were the worst because once I knew that no one was going to be able to do anything more, nobody worked Saturday, Sunday. I had to wait all weekend. And you know where my head was? All about my leg. I couldn't even think of anything else. And I called and I called. And what I ended up doing was working my way up the ranks. I don't want to talk to a phone person. I need to talk to a manager. You, you're not giving me the answers I need. Where's your manager? And I worked my way up probably about three levels up in the system till I found someone who's like, I'm going to fight for you. Like seriously, someone in my insurance company saying, I'm sorry this happened. I'm going to fight for you. First off, they heard the desperation. I can't tell you how many times I cried on the phone. And how many times I said, you know, when you hang up this phone today, you move on to your next client or you get to go home and have dinner with your family. And guess what? I hang up this phone and I'm still a lady without a leg and without uh, means of transportation and getting around or living my life, healthy living my life. I said, I am a person. I restated my name because all they see me as a claim number. Nope, I'm Angie. And I have two boys that are counting on me. I'm a team mom. I'm a wife. I have dogs. This is what I wanted to do. This is my goals. These are my dreams. And I'm getting this taken away. What I found out happened is January 1st came around and my insurance company changed a couple words in our policy. And instead of my electronic device being suitable for insurance for them to cover, they put it in powered um, appliances and they don't cover powered this leg is electronic. It is not powered. Powered's the kind you might see someone who's paralyzed and puts on those big electronic legs and they can actually make them stand up. That's power. They use the electronic power to move a person's body with, with what they can do. Mine, I do all the work. It's electric. All it is is it's plugged in at night to charge. But they clumped them together, making them all powered. And my insurance doesn't cover powered um, mechanisms. So once we found that out and I complained that they screwed up my life, 
four weeks went by and I got the approval with the caveat, I might add, and this one is the kicker because I'm young, young enough to know I've got maybe a good, maybe hopefully 40 years left in me, 40 years with electronic devices. You know, in 40 years, this thing's going to look like an, an ancient peg leg, pirate leg compared to what's coming out in the world. Every three years, I'm supposed to be able to re-up my legs so I have a brand new unit so that it's it doesn't do something to damage me, right? And break and whatever while I'm using it. They said, we will do this. We'll approve it because that of what happened, but only once. And I'm like, once? What do you think this is going to do? Grow back? And I thought, okay, live to fight another day. You say, thank you. I appreciate your effort. I actually... In April, when skiing with my family, and I sent that picture of me on the top of the mountain in tears with my kids because I never thought I'd ever be back up there again with my family, and said to this guy that had helped me, thank you, this is what you fought for. And even though I didn't have my leg on at the time because I had just gotten it, and I, w- I don't ski with a leg on, I ski with one leg and outriggers, it was still the fact that I had that weight off my shoulders I had a leg back in the room that I could put on when I was done and we could head downtown and have dinner. So I had to fight. And I know four weeks may not seem like a lot. I've talked to people that have fought years, years for wheelchairs, years for legs. um, And some people that just haven't gotten it and had to get secondhand stuff that or lesser because their insurance like we won't cover that, but we'll cover mediocre. And it's a tough gig. Because when you think your life has been, is going to go into one, one direction that you're visualizing positivity and, and activities and, and getting healthy and being strong, and then literally your legs taken out from underneath you, literally, that's a real tough thing to handle. So my best advice, and the reason I wanted to speak to you about this is because we're also now dealing with, as our parents are getting older, we're dealing with insurance and how insurance covers them getting help in their older years. And I'm like, this insurance stuff is killing me. They make it almost impossible for the average person to understand and maneuver through. And I will tell you certainly that they will say no before they say yes, especially with an expensive piece of equipment like this. Do not give up. Do not. You fight for what it is you want. Do not roll over because they say no. They are told to say no right off the bat. If you have the opportunity to know ahead of time of your surgery or your amputation and you can get that clarified before, I would suggest you do it and do it like I did it. Just keep calling back because you'll get different people each day, different workers working different times from different locations, but they should all be reading from the same thing and you should get the same answer 100% of the time. And if you get the yes, guess what? It's a great thing that they record those because that will be a part of their um, records for you to help you. But don't give up. I've talked to a couple people that, you know, you're afraid to think that you deserve something like that. And when the insurance company is like, yeah, nope, doesn't, isn't covered. Sorry, you can get this. And it might be something that's just not going to be benefiting you in any way, shape or form. Fight for it. You deserve that. Make yourself not a claim number or a or a um, uh, just a number on their paperwork. 
talk to them about your who you are, what you do when you get off the phone with them and where you're going to be and what you want to do and your dreams and your excitement for what you've, what you've gone through. Because that's the stuff that makes you a real human being on the other line versus just case number, case number this, claim number this. Make them see you as a person with a life that when they hang up the phone, they're thinking about you and what you might be doing in your home, in your wheelchair or uh, on crutches or totally immobile in your bed because that will pull on the heartstrings. And I do believe that there is still some goodness in our humanities here and, and we can find it, but they are scripted to say no. They just, that's what they want. Once a certain price point is hit, insurance companies say no and you fight for it. And hopefully like my prosthetist, they backed me all the way. My doctor backed me all the way. I had people helping me and fighting for me as well to give me the strength I needed to get what I wanted and what I needed to live a life. And yes, when they said once they meant it because last year we had to re-up, it's been, it had been over three years. And sure enough, they said, we, we told you it was only gonna be a one-time deal. And I'm like, yeah, but my leg is crapping out on me and I've already had it fixed once. I use it really hard and in the dirt here, it gets dusty and stuff gets in there and gets gunked in the mechanisms. So I'm like, you, you can't tell me just once. And we had to fight and we had to fight a little bit harder again. Luckily, I had a leg that was still working at the time. So I wasn't as in desperation mode, but I'm very concerned about every three years having this battle this mental and emotional battle I'm going to have to go through because it is exhausting. Lean into the people around you. Ask for help from your prosthetist. Ask your doctor. Fight for it. Call. You have to be the one to get in there, get your, your sleeves pushed up and get dirty and fight because it is about your life and you are not a number. You are a human being with dreams and goals and aspirations and a family and people who care about you. And that's what you need to do. And that is your call to action. So if you're in the midst of, of becoming an amputee or you're in the midst of some big medical issue that you're dealing with, check with your insurance as much as you can. Be alert. Understand what your rights are. Understand what is covered. And then if you get the denial, which probably will come, fight. Keep talking to them. Don't let them just give you a no and hang up. Talk to them, ask for other people, ask for managers and supervisors and fight for it because you deserve it. You are a warrior, but warriors need to push their sleeves up and fight and get dirty sometimes. And this is that moment. If you want it bad enough, you've got to have to fight for it. And it will be mentally exhausting, emotionally exhausting. I don't know how much I cried that month, but I cried so much because I really thought every day when I had no answers, the waiting game, I'm not good at. And the waiting game, knowing that it, it's hinging on a yes, no, and I've already had the no, that I had a big, huge weight to shift to the yes side. It weighed on me hard. And I had my family here supporting me. I had my dogs, which were my emotional support at the time. But fight. Yeah, you can get what you need, but you need to know what you need and you need to fight for what you want. And... I hope, I hope this story helps. I hope it gives you a glimpse that even when people think that they've, other people have it good and it's easy, that's how mine started out. I got the rug pulled out from underneath me from yeses, yeses, yeses for four months to a no, a solid no that I had to fight for. 
So just know that that is still a possibility that you might get that no, but that is not definite. You have to do that. And insurance companies will not like the squeaky wheel, be the squeaky wheel. Anyways, I hope this helped. I'm sorry it went a little bit longer, but the story leading up needed to be so you could see where the emotion came from. I hope you are having a fabulous couple of uh, weeks. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week. I look forward to hearing from you. And, you know, if you could share my podcast with others and get others on board, I'm trying to build my, my membership and my subscription so that I can get my name out there so I can help more people. I greatly appreciate you. I hope you have a really blessed week. And until next time, and as always, be healthy, be happy, be you.